You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. I am Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills, and with me is Pastor Mark Berkshire with um, Meadow Run Community Church in Ohio Powell, Pennsylvania. And uh, before we actually begin, we normally don't do um, any commercials or this episode sponsored by because Crossroads Community Church pays all the hosting fees and all that stuff for the podcast, but we do need to give a shout out because we are at the Mountain View Cafe. Uh, just had a really delicious meal. Yeah, they're in Smithfield, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and uh, the staff is marvelous. I always look for quality food, quality staff, and they are off the charts on both. So if you're ever in this area, check them out. Um, have anything on the menu is good, but the cakes are like delicious. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they're they're a really good home, uh, family-owned business, um, all homemade food from scratch, so good place to eat. And with that, uh, we will start with the segment we always start on, which is, what are you preaching on? What are you preaching on on Sunday? I'm preaching on Sunday, <laughs> Suffering with the Right Attitude, Part 2. Um, we're talking, going through the book of First Peter, and we're going to be talking about how we should have the attitude of that Christ had when he suffered for us. Ah, awesome. And I am preaching on, we're actually starting a new series called As in the Days of Noah, uh, talking about the signs uh, leading up to the return of Christ. Um, and we're actually doing it because I just, see so much fear out there people talking about the antichrist is here we're in the end times this that and the other and making a lot of false statements that are scaring people uh, so we just want to equip people with the most basic fact from the bible is that the return of christ is going to be a joyful thing uh, if you're a christian um, and also that there are two returns one where he comes for people in the air uh, what people call the rapture although some don't believe in it and you don't have to believe in it if you believe in Christ and you're not sure when he's coming, he's still going to take you with him. Yeah. Uh, and then the second return, uh, uh, which will be when he comes uh, to kind of end the war, to end all wars, Armageddon. And yeah, I don't see how people confuse those two because he makes it crystal clear. Here's exactly when yeah. he's going to come at that time. There is no doubt. You don't have to worry about we don't know when. He tells you exactly when. So we're just yeah. kind of preaching on that to clear stuff up and make sure people are properly equipped to understand uh, when his return is. But which brings us to today's topic, because we were actually just talking over lunch and we were saying how there's so much stuff that we could be talking about. Uh, the violence, increase in violence, which we've talked about that multiple times. The number of mass shootings that have increased, um, financial chaos, uh, increase in wars, everything. Uh, and then Mark was like, well, we should kind of put all that together because all of that are signs of the end times. Um, so yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna focus on that. We're gonna start with the shootings. 
Um, and you just listed them out. I should have wrote them down. There was, I, I know of four major ones. There was one in Memphis that was at the children's um, elementary school. One in Louisville at the bank. Mm. Another one in Louisville at a park just yeah. within the same week. And then one in Alabama that was there. Um, and there were several other ones throughout the country. Another incident, not um, shooting as far as I know, it was just violence, was in Chicago yeah. over the weekend. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And, and, you know, people wonder, where's God in all of this? God is still the same place he was for eternity. He's still sitting on his throne. Um, it, it is part of the deception that Satan has put on all of us, believers and not and, and non-believers. Uh, we are all being deceived at some point. Which is also way. one of the things the Bible says, that even the elect, elect. will be deceived. And there are so many... Yeah. God honoring church folk who are being led astray or yeah. filled with fear or all of that because of all the things going on. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, Peter talks about in chapter three, we just talked about this last week. He talks about as a Christian, we don't have to worry about being harmed. Because Satan can't take away that which he has no right to take away, which is our salvation, our our happiness, our joy in the Lord. Um, but Peter's not saying don't be afraid, because we are all fearful beings. We all have that that emotion in us, um, and, and I think even Christ. And I may get some pushback on this, but even Christ, when he was on the cross, when God turned his back on him for that moment, there had to be some sense of fear in what he was feeling and what he was going through at that moment. Yeah, and I I, I think what people miss is that, yes, although Satan can't, like you said, physically do stuff to us, but he can do stuff to our environment. Right. But he can do stuff to our loved ones. He can do stuff to all the people that don't know Jesus that just follow after him and are being uh, led astray. Um, so he does, I mean, there's a reason why he's called the prince of the air um, or the prince of this world. I forget the correct term. I, I was just telling someone. I think it's both. I think, okay, I was just telling uh, in the sermon I did on Sunday, I was just saying that, you know, we as pastors don't have the Bible memorized, so don't 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 beat us up if no. we get a verse wrong or whatever, you know. Uh, but Satan can create that level of fear, like you said, that level of panic, and even like we said, lead the elect astray. But I think one of the problems is um, that the people of God aren't properly equipped on how to respond to these situations. And it goes back to, if we've said it once, we said it a million times, I blame the pulpit. Yeah. Because those are the only people who can equip the people of God. That's what yeah. pastors are, are here for, to equip people. And we've, we as pastors sometimes get it wrong because we often think, and there's seminaries that will tell us this, and 
pastors and church congregations and whole denominations that will tell us this, that the role of the pastor is to get as many people into the building as possible. So that's what the sermons and ministries are based on, getting as many people in, rather than the role of the pastor is to equip the people of God to be the church, to go out and share the gospel. Um, so we, yeah. we're kind of at fault. And, and I agree. I agree 100%. And, and that is the probably the number one biggest pet peeve of mine in, in the American church. And I'm using American more, it's more in American churches than it is in other countries. Um, should say Western churches, maybe be better. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, That's valid. Uh, yeah. But we don't, the people come to church as an obligation or to check off a box. You know, I got my church in this week, um, or I watched my church this week. And they don't want to get involved in church. And as part of the deception of Satan, I don't need to be in church. Or I don't need to be involved in a, a fellowship of believers to be saved. Um, I can just do it on my own. And to a certain extent, yes, you can just do it on your own. But we don't get the we don't get the full power of God when we're acting on our own. Does that make sense? It does. And I mean, and the most common example of that that I see and hear, see memes online is that, you know, you can be married all on your own. You can have a spouse and live all on your own, but that's not a marriage. Right. Um, so you can do it all on your own, but if you're not a part of a community of faith, that was the whole purpose of the, the body of Christ. One, so that we have one another, but two, so that we have pastors and ministry leaders who can equip the church to go out and do the work of the church. If you're sitting in your home by yourself thinking, I don't need the church, I can do this on my own, you're not getting equipped, you're missing out on community, uh, and you really can't call yourself a part of the body. You know, example Paul gives about cutting off, you know, a limb right then yeah. then the whole body is not complete and if there's a community of believers that live around or near you they could be a whole lot more effective uh, by you being a part using your gifts and your talents to do the work that god has called them to do in your community right. and that doesn't work with the, the lone soldier sitting at home thinking i don't need the church yeah. and if you look at the world today the world needs the church more than ever yeah. not that we're going to make it better that's that's not the goal um it's not going to get better. There's not going to be a kumbaya, perfect peace moment where everyone's... I mean, there is, but we'll be gone. But, yeah. But so that we can go out and save those uh, and share the gospel with them. Yeah. Agree 100%. So now the question is, how do people respond to the chaos, the cultural chaos that they see going on in their communities? There's, there's usually one or two responses. I'm going to write this down before I get I'm making notes on the, not napkins, this is called placemat. Place um, usually two responses. One is, I want to go out and make it better. Mm -hmm. And two is, uh, I'm going to do nothing. Because I'm, I'm not involved. I'm not, the world is going crazy. I'm not involved. That's the normal response of most people. And, and when Christians try to make it better, that's where you end up with things like, 
social justice and yeah. all these programs that the churches do, which, you know, like I said, we'll get some pushback on this, but that's not our job. Right. Because social justice is not grounded in God's view of morality and justice yeah. at all. I would put a third one on there. I'll do just what I need to do for my family. Ah, yeah, just for, for my circle. Family preservation. I'm just going to keep yeah. my focus on my family. Uh, but we're actually not called, we're not called to go out and make the world a better place. No. We can, by using our spiritual gifts and talents in the world, it will in our little communities. We're also not called to do nothing. We don't have that option. Right. Uh, and we're also not called to just preserve our families. So there's an option for a Christian. We're called to go out and just <coughs> share the gospel, right? You don't have to join a social justice program if you're helping to share the gospel in your community. Yeah. Um, we are called to make disciples. Yeah. And disciples and disciples and converting the conversion process are two totally separate things. We can't. We can go up to anyone and talk about Christ and share the gospel with them, share the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But to disciple them means that we have to invest something. We have to invest our time and our energy and our focus <coughs> in someone's <coughs> life. And that's the problem. We don't want to invest in people's lives today. And that's true. Um, and I just wrote down, because we're supposed to do life with them, mm -hmm. that if you read through all of the Gospels, the disciples did life with Jesus, sun exactly. up to sundown. When he was doing ministry work, when he was just hanging out, when he was eating, when they were, it was time to sleep, and they're like, here's how we wind down at night. They all did life together. I'm not saying you got to all live together in a big commune, right. but you have to do life with people. And we tend to not want to, because when you do that, Life is messy because people are messy, and then you get their mess on you. Yeah. And a lot of people don't don't want to do that. Um, right. But it's something that we're called to do. Uh, something we have to do. Otherwise, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah, God never called us to go out and save anyone. He never told us to go save someone. He told us to go make disciples of someone. Um, because we can't do the saving. So let's apply that to all the things we, we, we see going on. So, for example, the violence we see all across the nation, not just one city or this city. And, and contrary to popular belief, it's not just Democratic cities or Repo Republican cities. It's not just when a Democrat's the president or when a Republican's the president. It's just across the board, and it's increasing more frequently, as the Bible said. Um, but... The Christian response to make things better, well, one, there's one, do nothing. Nothing we can do. So uh, and I think this is funny because I saw this in downtown Pittsburgh. One of the ladies we do a mom's podcast with experienced this, is that a lot of the people in the big, heavily cities where they're like, let the violence go, like the mayor of Chicago, let the violence go, let it happen, let it happen. People are doing nothing. They're moving out of those cities. But then they're still voting in the same people who want to let that happen. Right. So that's the do nothing. Uh, they're also family preservation. Well, I'm going to take my family and move out. Hope they do. Or 
uh, they do the let's make it better, let's create a program. But if we do what the church has called us to do, uh, which is instead of trying to create a program in that city, we just go out and get to know the people in the community, uh, share the gospel with them, make disciples of them. Uh, people ask, well, how will that decrease the violence? Well, if they're God-honoring, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians, you just decrease the number of people who feel like they have no choice but to go out and pick up a weapon and start shooting up the place. Right. They feel like I have other options. They feel like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do, but maybe I can talk to Mark because yeah. he might be able to help me uh, and have a, a community of faith of people who will come around, support, and encourage them. Um, I just feel like it should be obvious that more God-honoring, Holy Spirit-filled, loving your neighbor people equals less. I hate you for whatever differences or whatever yeah. reason, so I need to kill you people. I mean, that's just... just yeah, I mean... <laughs> love covers a multitude of sins. And when we love, truly love someone as equals with us, um, we shouldn't be judging them. We shouldn't be condemning them. We should be coming alongside them and with the love of Jesus, embrace them. So that brings us to another thing we're seeing culturally in our communities, the division, mm -hmm. racial, economic, cultural. <clears throat> um, it's hard to hate someone because of the differences if you look at them and say, in spite of their differences, I'm supposed to love them like I love myself, which yeah. is the, I mean, that's like Christianity 101. <laughs> love God, love your neighbor like yourself. Yeah. So um, that breaks that down. Um, but what about, how, how does that help with, in an economic chaos situation? Um, my wife and I were just looking at the price of chicken wings because we love chicken wings. And it's insane. Yeah. I think for 10 chicken wings, it was like $21. I was like, I'm not paying $21 for something. I still got to, I mean, one package of, of 10 chicken wings. I still got to go home, bread, cook, season yeah. myself. I'm like. It is. Repeat that question again. So how does uh, the, the Christian response work in situations of economic chaos because prices are going up everywhere uh, we were just talking about yeah. you know moms single moms who yeah. have to work one two jobs just to make ends meet and throw in child care and and i think this is where the church can really make a headway in because we're all filling the pinch we're all filling what's going on if we have someone in our circle of influence or someone in the church um, that needs a helping hand, come together as a church and help them. Yeah. If it means going and buying groceries for them because they're too proud to take money for groceries, go buy a bag of groceries and take it to their house. Knock on the door and leave it on the foot on the doorstep. Um, take them to dinner. Uh, Single moms, if you know a single mom, help them with child care. Volunteer to help them with child care once a week. 
you can save them um, thousands of dollars a month yeah. just by helping them with childcare. Yeah, and um, you know, if someone is needs a ride to a doctor's appointment yeah. and they can't afford an Uber or whatever it is, give them a ride if you can. Whatever you have the means to do, do it. And you know, don't that's that comes along with family. Uh, preserving our families as well because we'll t do for our own yeah but, but we, we don't do. have time to do for anybody else and god says take the time equally yeah and and, you and know, i understand you're going to devote the resources that you have to your family, family first but that doesn't mean you can't devote any resources to help someone else exactly so uh because i know of, of of you know grandmoms that are watching their children's children you know yeah. so they don't have to pay thousands of dollars a month in childcare. yeah but that doesn't mean they can't do one hour a month to watch someone else's children yeah. who needs here's another here's another one um you have an elderly member of your church that's in a nursing home or in uh that's homebound and can't get out and their family has to always be there go sit with them for yeah. an hour or two and let the family go do their go to get, go get a break, break. Or, or get some rest or recover right. or and, and that's all you you know it, there's so many ways that we can be involved in each other's lives yeah without stepping on each other's toes yeah and i know when um, i lost my job um back at my previous church and i went from six figures a year to 350 dollars every other month on unemployment yeah. I would not have made it without my church family, and a lot of it was anonymous. People just knew the situation I was in and did various things to help out, um, and I would not have made it without them. So there are ways that we, and again, it's one of those things, like I said, when you're doing life with them, you're going to get their mess on you because people's lives are messy. You'll get their mess on you. That doesn't mean it's going to stay on you. But then again, um, you know, if it's that messy, think of it as, you're just helping to clean it up. You don't yeah. have to be fully 100% involved. It's not your mess, but a little bit that you can do to help clean it up or to help minimize the mess. So appreciate Yeah. I used to work flood and fire restoration work. And we would go in after a house caught on fire and there'd be soot all over the place. And the people would think that their, their belongings were gone forever. And to be able to go in and clean the soot off and yes i came home a lot of nights so dirty it wasn't even funny but i was cleaning from that inside of that house out and that's what god does with us he cleans from the inside out and so when we are able to, to help clean someone else's mess yeah then we are able to be instruments of him and instruments of his life and I think the world sees that when when the church treats other people good, and they're like, wow. But they also see it when we treat other people bad or when we don't respond at all. Right. When they see when there's someone in our community, in our family, that's hurting in our church family, and they see no one step up to right. help them. And that's where you get all the people saying, you know, what good is the church today? They're not helping this. I see that all the time. Look at all the starving people in the world. Why isn't the church taking care of it? And blah, 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 blah. And there are so many people doing so much to help people. Yeah. And it's not the church's fault that greedy 
money-hungering people will send food around the world for a cost, anyone willing to pay, but won't do it to help those in need, yeah. although they could and still make, you know, billions of dollars, but they choose not to. And that's, that's, not, that's not the church's fault that they're greedy corporations. That's just right. humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think our, our response to all of it is what I always say is pray. You know, we can't, we can go out and do whatever, whatever we can and do all of this. But if it's not, if it's not covered in prayer first, hmm. it doesn't really mean a whole lot. So we need to be able to, um, Make sure whatever we do, as the Bible says, do it in the name to glorify, do it to glorify the Lord and in the name of the Lord. Which I just wrote down after prayer, also wrong reason, because if we're just doing it to get people in the church, we're just doing it because we think it's going to make us look good, then um, it's never going to work. I just had a conversation with a couple who's going to be starting a... uh, Kind of like an AA, but it's the Christian version of AA group in our facility. And I told them throughout our conversation, I reiterated to them over and over, this is not about getting people into our church doors. Yeah. And I even told them, don't feel like, because they don't attend our church. Um, they did for the first time this past Sunday. And I was like, don't feel like you're obligated to attend. If you never step foot in our church building on a Sunday morning, I still want you to do this because you're going to be helping people you know, experience a relationship with God and break free of yeah. addiction. So um, when I shared it with our congregation, I was like, uh, you know, we're going to buy their Bibles. We're going to buy their leader books. We're going to buy all the resources they need. And we may never see a dollar back. So I can't guarantee that any person that ever walks into that meeting is going to walk in on a Sunday morning. But I can 100% guarantee that if we do this and we fund it, that someone from that meeting we'll walk into the kingdom of God and we'll see them in heaven one day. So it's got to be about the right reasons. And so much of the church is done to bring people into the buildings, which as we've already said, not the goal, blame the pulpit. Going to move on from that. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that's, you you make an excellent point. You know, and that's why I say we, we never do anything to build ourselves up. We are to always build up and glorify God and build up the kingdom of God. And that doesn't make us kingdom now people. That doesn't make us any of that. We are kingdom then people when we get to the, you know, when the game is all over, this this game of life is all over, we will see the kingdom. And wouldn't it be great to have one little corner of heaven filled with people that you somehow sowed a seed into their life to be there yeah and we're, we're not i like you said it, we're not doesn't make us the whole kingdom what, what was the phrase kingdom? kingdom now kingdom now people but we are ambassadors right now right. we're ambassadors of the kingdom of god so we have a responsibility to promote encourage and be a representative of exactly. the kingdom of god and as a representative of the kingdom of god um we have a responsibility to reach out to people share the gospel with them and, and, and we can make an impact on all these things, the, the, the vision, the violence that we're seeing, the economic circle. I'm not saying it's the answer to all violence. I'm not saying it's the answer to, you know, 
world financial crisis. I'm not saying it's the answer to, well, it is the answer to <laughs> racial division <laughs> because it's hard to hate someone who you look at and say, hey, God loves them and so do I. But we can make an impact in our communities uh, if we focus on not getting people into our buildings, but getting the people in our buildings out to share and show the love of Christ yeah. to folks. And, and we do have the answer to all those problems. Um, it's just not the answer the world is looking for. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Jesus Christ is the answer to everything we're going through. Um, but God knew that this wasn't going to be a perfect world when he created it. Um, nothing that is happening, and this is important for those who may be afraid or in fear of what's going on. Nothing that is happening right now surprises God in the least. Yeah. He knows all about it. He knew what was going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. It's not a surprise to him. Yeah. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, it may sound like uh, we're saying a lot of the same things over and over. That's because usually, all as, as Mark just said, a lot of the problems that we discuss. Uh, the proper response is with the love of Christ or to share about Jesus or to just live it out. That can make a huge difference yeah. in our families, in our communities, if they actually see the people of God living the way that we claim that they should live. And, and that's a lot of, a lot of, causes a lot of mismatch now because uh, a lot of people say, they're leaving the church because they see Christians saying one thing and living in a totally different way. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's important to live out Christ. Yeah, and that is our number one thing, is that we are to live out Christ. But we also have to understand that we still are in a fallen world and we are still fighting the old man that's inside of us. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be perfect. We're going to fall down. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to sometimes lay in the street for days before someone comes along and says, stop beating yourself up. Get back here. You're still a child of God. Um, but it shouldn't take days. No, if, you, if you're a it part shouldn't. of a community of God-honoring, spirit-filled people, uh, and I'm, like you just said, we're human. Sometimes we miss yeah. stuff or whatever. But it shouldn't take days. Someone should. should be like, "Hey, uh, how are you doing?" <laughs> right. But my whole point is that what you just said. We are part of a family, and if we keep an eye on family members then we know what's going on and and can read if they are suffering from depression or whatever. Yeah. And we can step in and sit in. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is helpful to somebody, anybody. <laughs> yeah. And uh, shameless plug, I am going to reiterate, if you're one of those people who's still struggling in your faith or trying to find ways to increase it, you can get our book. Yeah. 21 Days of Spiritual Maturity. Uh, Faith Responders presents 21 Days of... Uh, that's not even what it's called. What is it it's called? Faithful Journey or Spiritual Journey. Yeah. Uh, 20, 21 Faith days. Responders. 
21 days, days of spiritual renewal. Renewal. Okay, we were both wrong. Yeah, I may edit that out. <laughs> uh, 21 days of spiritual renewal, uh, specifically designed to help people increase their faith, strengthen their relationships with God. Uh, gotten a lot of positive feedback from people on TikTok who have heard me talk about it and then went and got it. Um, and then other people uh, who I've actually seen some of their comments and things that they were going through and I messaged them privately because it wasn't trying to publicize it message them privately and say hey I think I have a book that would help you would love to send it to you for free not asking for anything in return I just think it will really help you and as long as you're okay you know sending your address to a stranger yeah. <laughs> and uh, many of them have replied yeah sure and and they have it has greatly increased their faith, uh, their relationship with God. So if you're looking for that, it's available on Amazon. And like I just said, if you can't afford it, message us. We will get you a copy for free. And you can follow us now on Facebook. Yeah. We have a Faith Responders Facebook page um, that you can get to. And we wanted to have a way so that if people had questions, we always say, messages comment or whatever yeah. we went we didn't have really a place for people to do that so that's the the main point of that so if people want to reach out they want to comment they can go there and do that um, yeah. it was easier than creating a whole new website right just for people to comment on okay. all right so any other final thoughts before we live 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 and love jesus <laughs> Amen. All right, so can you uh, pray for us, and then we will be done. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this this podcast. And Father, just remove the fear of people uh, that they may be having, living in these troubled times, and replace it with your peace and your joy that only you can give. Father, we ask that if there's anyone that doesn't know you, that they would somehow um, come to to the realization that life without you is not worth really life. So we just ask that you would give them, give them the, uh, the strength to follow your, your call. And, uh, be with us now, be with our Sunday celebrations, and we give you all the glory and honor. Amen. 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 Say so we're excited about our prayer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>